Welcome to the CDLA Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Man, come on, man. It's good to be here, as I like to call, hanging out with the big kids this morning. Um, but it is an honor to, to be uh, a, a privilege to really be hanging out with all the way from, from the babies and holding them and all the way up to the middle school. And, and we even do some high school kids in our, in our house. And uh, we absolutely are blessed to be here. So we are excited. And so I'm praying over today of going, God, what is the, what is the word you have for us today? And uh, I can't help but think today, being December 30th, that God is going to want to talk about 2019, right? This is the time of year where we have think about and, and reevaluate what our lives have been like for 2018, especially if you're like me, maybe think about how ashamed you are of how badly you ate over the last few days. And then you might think to yourself, if you're still like me, I still got two more days left in this year. And let's come on. What's a little bit more ashamed of myself? But uh, 2019 is coming, and it's a beautiful time to have these New Year's resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions, at the, the core of a New Year's resolution, they're a good thing, right? That you think about, how, what are some habits maybe that I want to kick? What are some habits I want to start forming? We think about our physical health, and I want to get in shape again. I want to start eating better. We think about our spiritual health. We think about our relational relationships that we have and goals. And these are all good, except there's a major flaw with New Year's resolutions is because there's a part of the title that's called the New Year Resolution. So when it comes to February, it's not the New Year anymore, and there's no accountability, right? This is not new to you guys. You understand this. This This is how I know I operate, and I'm sure many of you do too. But this is also this next month that we're going into, January, is the the most packed month that you will ever find at your local gym. And uh, it's obnoxious and overwhelming, and you just got to wait for, for these people to, to kind of get out of there and go back to their old lifestyles and appreciate that. But now, you may be considering going and joining a gym, and maybe this is going to be the year that you're going you're gonna to stick at it, and I, and I hope so, and I pray for you, and I, I'm hoping this will be my year too. But maybe you're also considering the home gym right, the home gym. If you got the luxury of having one of those in your house, then that's, that's beautiful. And you might be considering this. And, and now if you're like me, I also hate uh, with all of my heart uh, cardio working out. I think that that's something that God did not institute for, for us. And that I think that people who say that they enjoy cardio and they go, hey, I just went out for a 15-mile run today. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, you, you do not enjoy. And I have a, a, a theory about these people who enjoy cardio or, or the, the CrossFit kind of uh, thing that's going on. Is that they're either A, liars, and they absolutely hate it like the rest of us. Or, or B, um, they're clinically insane because nobody in their right mind should, should enjoy this. But if you're looking to do a home gym, I want to show you, I did some homework for you of some inventions that are no longer on the market. So if you're looking, man, what do I want to do to, to kind of go and sculpt my own physique this next year? I want to show you a couple things that uh, I did as my research that you don't have to even worry about trying to find them because they're not going to be there. And this first one I want to show you, uh, you can go and show it up. This is called the I ride a donkey in my living room like a fool. Um, no, it's actually called the I gallop. And this is an invention that was made to go, man, if you only had a horse, you had the money for a horse, you had the time and availability to go horseback riding, well, you no longer do you have to do it. You can do it 
as a, in the comfort of your living room like a, a weirdo. Um, the next one we have is the face trainer. The face trainer is, uh, if you're ever thinking to myself, I wish I could really build my facial muscles and I want to be bulging muscles of this jawline that's just like pumping muscle, right? Uh, well, this, if you smile, you frown, you talk, you eat, whatever you're doing, you're, you're working out all the time. This next one is called the ab hancer. And uh, I'm sorry, this is no longer also on the market. Um, that uh, you can get a six-pack in seconds. All you do is got to turn on the TV and just sit down, and it's, it's no longer in the market because it didn't work. Um, this next one is called the, the air shorts. The air shorts. And for the life of me, I have no idea what these do. No, absolutely no clue. But what I do know is that they are loving life. And, man, I want to love life like they're loving life. So, but unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry, these, these are no longer around. Um, have you ever wondered to yourself, man, how do I choose between the treadmill and the bike? Man, I want to go and I want to ride a bike. I want to ride a treadmill. I wish I could combine the two. Well, they came out with an invention just for that. It's called the treadmill bike. And this is a, a, a way to, to show everybody that you don't care about your physical well-being and that you'll fall and get those scrapes and bruises. And it's no longer because too many ER visits happened with the treadmill bike. And lastly, the Velcro shoe system. The Velcro shoe system, and this is a system where you put Velcro on the bottom of your shoes and just stand there and rip up. And I would love to go and like, see, this is going to be the, one of the next dance moves. But also, if you can see in the picture, I really think that person's about to topple over. Like, that does not look like it's, it's going to be fun or enjoyable at all. Um, but nonetheless, you guys are welcome that there's, uh, I've done the research for you. Oh, there's one more. I couldn't put it up on the screen because I know that Joe Savali is probably going to take a picture of me with this in the background and say that Dave Schumann is now selling shake weights um, because those are, if you know, are one of the most uh, uncomfortable commercials that I've ever seen in my life. But those are also no longer uh, uh, for sale. But today we're going to be looking at some famous walkers that we found in the Bible. Uh, specifically one walk that we're looking. There's a lot of famous walks. And I'm going to gloss through these uh, rather quickly because we don't, honestly, each one of them can be a message in itself. But this first one is God in the Garden in Genesis 3. And I put all the references there so you can go and check this out later. And if you don't have your own Bible to go and look these up, come see us afterwards. We want to make sure you go home with the Bible. But Genesis 3, we see God in the garden. That here he goes, this is the fall of man. Adam and Eve have just eaten the fruit. And God has something. This is a significant point that people have severed the relationship with God. And how God responds out of it. This has never been done before. It's a significant moment. And God could have just gone, boom, I'm going to wipe you out. And we're going to try this over again. He could have smited them. He could go, okay, now this is going to be your severe punch. Sit down and let me lecture you for 10 hours. But instead, his first reaction when they fall is he goes for a walk. He goes for a walk looking for them in the garden. He pursues them. It's significant. Next one I want to look at, Genesis 22, Abraham and Isaac. God, fast forward, God asks Abraham to sacrifice his own son. And I can't even imagine what the walk was like for Abraham and Isaac when he was going to take his son to the altar. What that conversation was. Because I know if God asked me to do that with my son, I'm like, there's not a chance. You find somebody else. I'm not going to do that. But there's something so much more significant that you got to read about, Genesis 22. We read about in Exodus, Moses and the Israelites. Come on, this is, a, this is a big walk. They strolled out of slavery in Egypt, Moses leading an entire nation. Now, this isn't Moses and 10 of his best friends going, come on, guys, let's get out of here. This isn't Moses and 100 people. This is an entire country of people walking out of slavery. And then the, the walk gets even more famous because they did it for 40 more years in the wilderness. Next, Joshua 6 
We have Joshua or, uh, and uh, Joshua in the battle of Jericho, right? Have you heard the story? It's Joshua is, is about to take the Israelites into the promised land. No, Moses is no longer. He's about to lead them in, and God goes, here is my brilliant war strategy for you. You're not going to go with swords. You're not going to go with spears. You're going to walk. You're going to walk around this place, and it's going to fall. A significant walk. Let's fast forward all the way to New Testament. What about Jesus on his way to the cross? Jesus, after being so incredibly beaten, bruised, being so whipped, so incredibly uh, beaten up that he was so unrecognizable. And then, to top it all off, they're about to go execute him, but they make him carry his own execution device to where it was going to be. And he's so incredibly on the verge of death. Even some people from these beatings and whippings had died just in those alone. But he has just a little bit of life left in him, and he was able to go a little bit, and somebody else had to help him. But it's a significant walk. And, and at any moment, him being 100% God as well could have backed out. But he goes, I'm going to this to the end for, for their sake, for our sake. But the one we're going to focus on today is Peter walking on water. Peter walking on water. And I absolutely love this story is what every preacher says when they get up. It's my favorite story. But I do love this story. Peter walking on water, it's significant because in the moment, Peter, a human being, got to walk on water. Now, I'm jealous of this story because I don't know about any of you, but I have never had the opportunity to myself personally to walk on water. But nonetheless, we're going to look at this, and it comes from, from Matthew 14. And it reads this in verse 22. It says, immediately after this, what is the this that he's talking about? What just happened in the story? Jesus just fed over 5,000 people. Jesus just performed an incredible, insane miracle in front of thousands of people. And this is a significant point in his ministry. So right after this, like what do you do after that? Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And while he sent the people home, and after sending them home, he went up on the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. This is important, and we're going to come back to this. Verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And I went and looked up the sea that they're crossing, the Sea of Galilee. It's not that big of a body of water. It's only about seven miles by three miles. But where it was below sea level and the mountains surrounding it, the winds and the waves were actually significant, and these storms did come. But these are experienced fishermen. A lot of them were experienced fishermen. So they've been in a boat. This is not new to them. Yet the, the storm is big enough that they're getting nervous. And three o'clock in the morning... Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And now, when I read this, I go, yeah, I would be there too. If you're in the middle of the night, three in the morning, in a boat that's rocking all over the place in the middle of a storm, and you see some being that looks like a human walking towards you, but they're not on land, they're not in a boat. We know the story now that it's Jesus, that Jesus can do this, but they haven't ever seen this before. Yeah, they're thinking it's a ghost that I totally understand it. But it goes on, verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. The Greek word there is, is Jesus is actually saying the I am is here. The I am is here. And he's referencing back to what? God and Moses. When Moses, God says Moses, when he first calls him to go and get his people out of, out of Egypt, Moses goes, who am I supposed to say sent me? He goes, I am sent you. So Jesus goes, in a, in a bold moment here, he goes, the I am is here. I'm God, I'm here. Verse 28, then Peter called to him, 
Man, I love Peter. I love Peter. I think we have some of the most fun stories in the Bible because of Peter saying the wrong thing at the wrong time or doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. He's a class clown. And I think he's, he's, he's dumb at times, but at the same time, he's a brilliant leader. And this is, this is what he says to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, this is not going to be my first reaction. If I see Jesus walking on the water, I'm like, you're walking on water. This is awesome. Come back and come in here, Jesus. And then can you stop the storm? Because we've already seen you do that in Matthew, in Matthew 8. It's recorded. They already recognize that this has happened. But they're like, he goes, hey, if it's really you, I want to come walking on the water. Not what I would have done first, but, but Peter does it. And then Jesus' response, yes, come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. When we saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. I wonder what that moment would have been like to worship Jesus face to face. I got to think that had to be one of the best worship sets that they've, I, you could ever experience. And I look forward to that one day, getting to do that. But nonetheless, we, we, I think that God has an invitation for every one of us here. You didn't come here to just get encouraged. You didn't come here to really learn. But I think God has an invitation for every one of you here, and it's this. God wants to invite you to be a water walker. That this is not just a story that Peter gets to experience. And Peter being the only one that we have recorded that ever got to do something this cool of walking on water with Jesus. But God is inviting each one of us to walk on water. There's a book that uh, John Ortberg wrote. And some of this is, is coming from him. A lot of, I got to read his book and, and research of this. And, and he writes this book and it says, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Because I know so much in my life, I want to experience those miraculous moments where I go, I got to walk on water today. I got to do these incredible things. And I constantly look and hear other stories. I'm addicted to these stories about people who are experiencing miracles and getting to, to witness to thousands of people. And all these people come to know Jesus. And I'm addicted to hearing these because I go, celebrate Jesus. I'm going, you are so good. How can I be more a part of this? But God is inviting us to be water walkers we need to get out of the boat. But I want to dissect this story a little bit more. I want to have a, a breakdown of the characters and then lessons we can learn from them. And if we're going to look at a story that involves Jesus, I think you guys can agree with me that we have to start with Jesus first, right? We can't go and look at anybody else in the story until we have focused on Jesus. And Jesus does some significant things in the story. First of all, he met with God first. He met with God first. And I want to go back to that moment when Jesus just sends his disciples away. He just fed 5,000 people. Send, he tells his disciples, get out of here. I'll dismiss them. He dismisses them. And then he goes by himself to pray. Now, this is crazy for my mind to understand because Jesus being 100% God and 100% man, which is crazy in itself. But he goes and spends time alone connecting with God. Now, this is bizarre for me. I'm going, you, you of all people probably could have gotten a pass on that because you're walking as God everywhere you go. But constantly do we see that he models this for us. See, if we want to be water walkers, if we want to be water walkers, we've got to meet with God first. And maybe we could pause right there and say, if you're looking for a theme for 2019, maybe that's it. Maybe we just need to pause and go, I need to meet with God first. And I know for, for me in my life, this has been an, a regular, uh, almost a struggle for me. That regularly, do, I go through seasons where I'm like, a, like an addiction to God, where I'm just like, man, I can't get enough of him. And then all of a sudden, Satan distracts me with, with Netflix. He distracts me with my music. He distracts me with relationships and all these different things. And all of a sudden, Jesus keeps getting put further and further back on the back burner. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what happened? 
But if you want to be a water walker, if you want to go and experience greatness, if you want 2019 to be an insane year of going, I experienced God in, his, in the most full way I could possibly do, and I got to experience being part of miracles, then we got to take it from Jesus. you got to meet with God first. Next thing he does is he meets them in their storm, and he meets you in your storm. As I love this, this way that Jesus approaches this situation. See, Jesus doesn't just wait on the sidelines going, I'm just going to chill over here, waiting for them to call for my help in the midst of their storm. And then eventually, if they say the right words, if they pray hard enough, if the right amount of people are praying, if they, all these different things start, if the stars align, then I will come and I will go to them and rescue them in this boat. He doesn't do that. And at the same time, he doesn't just go to the other side of the lake and just wait for them and go, as soon as the disciples show up, he goes, okay, what's the damage here? Who are we missing? What's going on? But instead, Jesus goes out to them in the middle of their storm. And Pastor Jason has been talking about this over the last few weeks, about storms that are in our lives. And maybe some of you are in a storm. Maybe 2018 could be defined as one giant storm. Maybe Christmas, this last couple days, could be defined as a storm in your life. But nonetheless, Jesus doesn't just wait and go, I'm going to do this waiting game and until you do the right things or, or I'm just going to wait till the end and be non-existent and let you figure this out on your own. He approaches them in the storm. One commentary I read, the writer said this. He said, why did Jesus walk on the water? To show his disciples that the very thing they feared, the sea, was only a staircase for him to come to them. He goes on to say, but why did they not recognize Jesus? Because they weren't looking for him. They weren't looking for him. And maybe you're in the, the midst of your storm and you're going, God, where are you? Where are you? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my family. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling with my spouse. I'm struggling with my parents. I'm struggling with my in-laws. I'm struggling at work with my coworkers. And I, I don't even know if I'm going to have a job come January 1st. And I don't, God, I'm so terrified of my financial situation. And God, I'm terrified of the, my health concerns or, or somebody close to me, their health concerns. Or God, I've gone through a significant storm because I just lost somebody so dear to me. Or I've had relationships that have, have just kind of vanished on me. And God, I'm in a storm and I want to ask you, are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for Jesus? Now, I don't say this as a, are you looking for Jesus? And if you're not, then you're screwing it up. I mean, look for him because he's coming to you in the storm. But I love how Jesus doesn't just approach us on the storm. This is the last thing under Jesus is that he gives us a chance to walk out of the storm. I love it when he gets up to Peter and Peter starts sinking. He doesn't just look at Peter and go, okay, I'm going to let you hit as close to rock bottom as you can, and then I'm going to swoop you up and save you, and I'll carry you in. Or he doesn't just sit there and go, as Peter's sinking, hey, you idiot, remember how you should have done this, or remember you should have done this, or remember back months ago when you kind of met, screwed up that one night, or remember how you said that you're going to follow me more consistently, or remember you said you were going to pray more often, remember you said you were going to go to church more often, remember all these promises that you made to me, but you haven't done those, and he just sits there and just starts lecturing him as he's thinking. No, what does he do? He goes over to him and he goes, hey, it's me. You know me. Why did you doubt? I'm here. And he, he helps him up. But this is significant. What does, he, what does he not do? He doesn't just pick up Peter and just go, I'll carry you back to the boat and plop him in. No, what does he do? He goes, come on, let's walk the rest of this together. Let's get through the storm, if you're in the midst of a storm right now, if you know someone who's in the midst of a storm, Jesus is coming towards them. Have them keep their eyes open, and Jesus is going to walk through it with them. I want to look at Peter next. Peter, the class clown. 
Now, Peter, uh, he's got such an, an incredible story here that nobody else gets to experience. And I want to know what that moment was like when Peter actually got to get out of the boat and when he's about to go over the edge. Now, we know that he's about to walk on water. We read the story and we go, yeah, he walks on water. But in the moment, Peter didn't know what was about to happen next, right? He's putting his foot over and was he like shaking of going, oh gosh, I hope this works, right? And he's like, I, I hope I can, guys, get a life jacket ready. Or is it like, what is, what is that moment like for him? Or is he just going, yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen because I know the voice of my Savior and I know who he is and I know I'm going to go and walk on water. But before Peter does that, he does something so significant that we can't gloss over and he does this. He seeks God's will first. He goes to me, he goes, I want to walk on water and I'm going to do bold things for you, Jesus. But Jesus, is this your will? Jesus, if it's you, have me come out here. Is this what you want me to do? And that's when Jesus is like, yeah, come on. Come out. See, if you want to walk on water, if you want to have 2019 be full of bold experiences and things and part of miracles and part of these opportunities to spread the love of God and you're like, God, this is what I want to do this next year. I want to be a water walker. Well, you need to seek God first. Orberg says in, in his book um, uh, about this discernment, he says, Water walking requires not only the courage to take a risk, but also the wisdom to discern a call. And then he tells the story. He says, A man appears before the pearly gates. Have you ever done anything of particular merit? St. Peter asks. Well, I can think of one thing the man offers. Once I came upon a, a gang of high testosterone bikers who were threatening a young woman. I directed them to leave her alone, but they wouldn't listen. So I approached the largest and most heavily tattooed biker. I smacked him on the head and I kicked his bike over. I ripped out his nose ring and I threw it on the ground. And I told him, you leave her alone now or you'll answer to me. St. Peter's impressed. When, when did this happen? Just, just a couple minutes ago, actually. See... There's a point in our lives where we want to go and do incredible stunts and things and we want to go and water walk. But Peter did not walk on the water because he wanted to go walk on water. Peter walked on the water because Jesus ordained for him to go walk on the water. So if you want to go and experience incredible miracles, you want to go and do these incredible things, you've got to go and seek God, are you doing this? Are you behind this? And that comes from seeking wise counsel from those who have gone before you. That goes from being constantly diving into scripture and going, what does God say in this book? That's constantly praying and seeking God. Maybe he'll audibly talk to you or maybe the peace of the Holy Spirit will just invade your life and you know that this is where he's sending you. But you need to seek God's first. And I love when Peter asks Jesus to tell him to come to him. He uses a, a Greek word here, and the Greek word is the command of a king. And what he's doing in this moment, he's saying to Jesus, walking on the water, command me like a king. And he's recognizing this, that he's not going, I'm not just talking to any man. I'm calling you out as a king because I know you have the power over nature. I saw you calm the storm a little while back. Second thing Peter does is he, he gets out of the boat. He gets out of the boat. And man, this is, this is probably the, the hardest part. It's, it's easier, I think, to go and ask God, God, do you want me to go do that? But when the moment comes to, to take that one step over the rail and actually go and do it, man, that's a whole other ballgame, isn't it? But I believe that, that God is a God of miracles. And there's no point ever that God said, you know what, I'm done. 
I'm cutting it off. Miracles are done. I'm going to go and sit over here in the corner and I'll wait. I'll send Jesus eventually and then we'll go and all party in heaven for eternity. It's going to be great. But I'm kind of done for now. I'm going to stay over here. No, I believe that God is still alive and while still doing these miracles. And I, I got to, to, to witness one a, a little while back. I was at um, uh, a mission trip and, and one of my co-leaders, Drew, who, who was actually, actually performed part of this miracle, um, he was praying with a group of students, and, and Drew was telling me, as, as they're praying, one of the girls in the groups goes, goes ah, guys, can you pray over my back? She goes, my back has been, been in, uh, in pain for a long time. I, got, I had a significant injury, and, and I can no longer, uh, I'm a, she was an incredible gymnast, cheerleader, dancer, and she's like, I can't do anything. I can't even touch my toes anymore. I'm just in pain all the time. Can you guys pray over my back? Now, in this moment... Drew tells me, he goes, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like, I've never, I've never prayed or healing over somebody before. That's never been done to me. I've never done that over somebody else. But I, I know and I've read stories in the Bible about how this has happened. And I, I was curious about, could this ever still happen? And he goes, and then all of a sudden God spoke to me. And he goes, Drew, you place your hand on her back and you heal her back. And he goes, in that moment, he goes, okay. But at the same time, that initial reach out, he goes, was terrifying. Because he goes, what if it doesn't work? He's like, the doubts start flooding. What if it doesn't work and this just becomes some weird thing and all the high school students go, yeah, remember that one time that we felt like God was going to do something and he didn't? And how is this going to harm them? And a thousand thoughts start flooding his mind. But he goes, no, out of boldness, God, out of obedience, I'm going to go and I'm going I'm to lay my hand on her back. And he asks everybody else in the group to do it. And they start uh, uh, praying over her back. And he goes, David, I felt the power come down my arm, literally felt God's power come down my arm, into my hand, into my fingertips, exit and go into her back and we keep praying and, and as we stop praying we we turn she turns around and looks at us and she's just sobbing and she goes I felt God's power come into my back and then she as she looks at them she bends down and she touches her toes for the first time in years just sobbing all of them start immediately praising Jesus Miracles can still happen but I know in my life I want to experience miracles like that I want to experience the healing I know a lot of you probably have but I, I know that there's also these moments in my life that God's going, I'm asking you to get out of the boat. Will you have the courage to do so? And they're more, they're more I would say, everyday experiences. My wife and I, uh, a, a while back when we were going to this Rite Aid that was around the corner from our house, uh, there's this cashier that we had, she was always working when we went. Her name was Debbie. And I remember um, we just kind of be friendly and say, hey, how's it going? And we didn't really know much about her. But during this time, I remember praying to God, going, God, I want to I have the boldness and courage to just witness to people. I want to have the stories of people who are going left and right and going, man, here's all the people who are coming to know Jesus because I've been bold and, and getting to go and share Jesus with them. And I'm like, God, I want to I do that. God, send people my way. Man, you haven't been sending them my way, but when are you going to start sending them my way? <laughs> He's like, David, are you, are you kidding me? He goes, man, what, what about Debbie? I go, eh, I don't know about Debbie, God. I, I mean, she's, she's, a, she's my cashier, right? Like, she, I don't know her. Like, maybe you can send somebody else to her that knows her. Like, who do, who do I know? Who, who can I talk to uh, about, about you? And, and he goes, David, I'm asking you to go talk to my daughter, Debbie. I want you to go tell her about me. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it, God. This is your will. I'm, I'm going to go for it. And over the next couple months, my wife and I got to go and just, and just be there and listen to her. And, and she would tell us her story. And, and the more we got to know her, we realized that Debbie was in the midst of a significant storm in her life. She tells us she had just buried one of her kids. And in the midst of all that, she goes, I also have another son who's got some severe addictions and is in and out of rehab. And I'm, I'm terrified he's going to die. She goes, and to top it all off, she's like, my, my husband 
she, he, he got laid off, and she's like, I don't know how we're going to pay any of these bills. And then she goes, and then eventually her husband did get a job, but it was far away. It was in an, a full other state. And so here she was, alone, all by herself, in the midst of a, a horrendous storm. And I got to look at her, and I go, Debbie, can I tell you about my Jesus? Can I tell you about my Jesus? Because he is crazy about you. He absolutely loves you, and he wants to come to you in this storm. Can I tell you more about him? Can I pray with you? And so over the next uh, few months, we got to, I would even sometimes go in without even, I had nothing to even get that day other than I wanted to go and talk to Debbie. And so we, we got to have lots of, of great chats, a lot of great prayer sessions. And, and eventually Debbie uh, fully gave her life to Christ, started uh, bringing her family around, and she got to go and experience church community. And, and I'm not saying this, guys. I want you to hear me. I'm not saying this of going, man, I'm pretty awesome, aren't I? Like, look at what I did. I'm saying this to go, I did not do a single thing to, to save Debbie. Peter did not walk on the water because he had the skills of walking on water. Peter walked on water because Jesus led him to walk on water. Jesus did the miracle. All Peter did, which is significant, Peter got out of the boat. And then let God take care of the rest. Lastly, what we see for Peter is that he calls for help when sinking. So I know for me, I can be terrified of going and, and stepping into these bold encounters, whether it's, it's been people I've worked with over the years or people in my neighborhood or, or different people in my family where I'm like, God is calling me to maybe have some difficult conversations or God wants me to do different things and I, I'm afraid of doing it because I'm afraid of sinking. I'm afraid of failure. But the beauty of that is God is behind it. If God is calling you out there, God's not going to let you drown. And God, and Peter does something significant that he calls for help. See, when you're, if you're afraid of something bold, and some of you right now are sitting here going, I know exactly the bold thing God's been calling me to do, and I've been ignoring it for a long time. And you know your heart's beating going, God, what, is that really from you? And I'm telling you this, if it's God's will, he's not going to let you drown. Call out for help. And he's got you. Lastly, we're going to look here at the disciples. Disciples, or as Ortberg calls them, the boat potatoes. The boat potatoes is that they're stuck witnessing an incredible opportunity. Now, they're a significant part of the story. They got to go and see something that was absolutely astounding. I wish I could have been there with them. But at the end of the day, Peter got to go home and say, I walked on water today. The disciples were left going, I watched somebody walk on water today. What, who has the better dinner party story? Peter, right? I want to know what that experience was like when Peter got back in the boat. When Peter finally climbs back in and he looks at them and he goes, did you guys see that? Like his, his testosterone, like he's got to be like on a high of just adrenaline pumping through his veins because he just walked on water. This is not a normal thing. No, none of us here have walked on water, right? He walks on water. He gets back in the boat and he's got to be looking at them. Did you see that? I was doing this out there. And then he's looking at them being like, where were you? Where were you? When you saw me doing this, why didn't you immediately jump in? Why didn't you come and partake and do this with me? But the disciples, they got stuck missing out of the miracles of God. They got stuck just missing out on what the miracles of, on the miracles of God and what he's doing. Now, I'd love to say that, man, I'm, I'm a rock star at this, that I, I can go and I have so much more success. But the reality is, is I have more times that I, in my life that I've been a boat potato than I've been a water walker. I really have. And a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, I was getting 
another uh, tattoo, and, and I, the reason I, I love and to get tattoos is because, first of all, they're a reminder to me of my identity in Jesus, but also they're an opportunity that maybe I can permanently mark my body to change somebody's the trajectory of their eternal and so they're, they're conversation starters. And uh, so I pray over them. I do. I go, God, like, I want you to use these, these markings. And, and so uh, I got to experience it when I was getting the tattoo. Um, this was two weeks ago. The tattoo artist, as he tattooed, and I got a line from Jesus that comes from Matthew 25. And he says, uh, he looks at me and goes, what does it mean? And I'm sitting there going, is this happening? Like, it's never happened this early. Like, this is incredible. So I'm like, God, yes. So for over the over an hour, uh, him and I, we get to just share about, like, our faith and, like, what God is. I just got to tell him all about what God's been doing in my life and, and how I believe uh, in Jesus being the Son of God, that he came and died for us. And I'm getting to, to share the gospel with him. I'm like, Jesus, this is insane right now. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And then at the end of the, the tattoo and as I'm, I'm leaving, he looks at me and he goes, hey, David, real quick. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, can you do me a favor? Like, sure. And he goes, when you think of me, can you, can you pray for me and my family? And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely I will. So I left and, and, and walked out. Now, it seems like a phenomenal story, and I believe that God's going to use this story in, in his life, of God sent me specifically to him, and the whole journey for me to get to this guy. I've never had this guy before. I, I knew that, that there was something behind God ordaining this conversation. But the part of the story that I didn't tell you is that right after he asks me to pray for him, when I think of him, to pray for him and his family, man, I felt the nudge of God so loud saying, you pray for him right now, David. Right now, right here, you pray for him. You connect me in conversation to my child. I, I want you to connect me to him. But in the moment, I, I freaked. I was sitting there going, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'm not getting out of this boat. I'm in the middle of this tattoo shop in Detroit. People are coming, people are going, where people are around. I'm like, he might be uncomfortable with that. Uh, this might be like, what if he says no? What if he rejects me? All these thousand doubts come at me in like one second. And I freaked and I said, not this time. And I walked out, and I remember just going, man, God, I repent from, from not obeying your will. And I, and I love the way that God treats his disciples is he doesn't get into the boat while they've just been sitting there. He doesn't get in there and go, you guys screwed up this time. Man, where were you? Why weren't you out there like Peter? You guys were just a bunch of people who just go to church, and you're not actually out there on the water living out the church. Like He doesn't have this condemnation when he gets to them. No, instead, he gets into the boat, and they worship him, and it's, it's beautiful. And I know for me, God's not having this, this place of just, just horrible judgment, but he has so much incredible grace for me. And he has grace for you in these moments when we're afraid to get out of the boat. But I don't know what your boat looks like. I don't know what your boat is. And maybe there's something that you know God has been calling you to, or maybe there's a moment in your life that, you're, that God's going to be calling to in the future, and it's going, it's going to be scary. But I, I want to challenge you parents Real quick, I want to, I'm, the, I'm the family life pastor. i got to talk to parents for a second. <laughs> I want to challenge you parents. Is, is I, I want to believe that we want our, our children to be water walkers, right? I want, we want our children to, to go and experience the fullness of God and what he can do in their lives and fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, right? And if this is my prayer for my kids every single night, and I know when I put my kids down to bed, uh, the first half of my prayer is, is very uh, uh, kind of general for them to understand. We, we thank God for the food and dolphins and the wind, and, and we thank God for the trees and the, our, our house and our family.
family and, and uh, it's beautiful. But the second half of the prayer is something that they have no idea. The second half of my prayer every night for them is, is God, I pray that, that you help them to be warriors for Jesus. And God, I pray that you help them to be kingdom advancers. Those two things every night, God, warriors for Jesus and kingdom advancers. And I know that God's, God's stepping into that, and I, I believe that he's going to do extraordinary things in their life. They're one in four right now, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. But as I was thinking about this, I know that my kids, my, my sons, are, are huge imitators of who? Of me, right? They watch, they observe what I do. They, they speak the way I speak. They, they say, they repeat the words I say. They, they do the things I do. Their mannerisms are, are like mine. They treat their mother like I treat their mother. They treat strangers like I treat strangers. And I know if I want my kids to be water walkers, parents, I'm, I'm challenging you, you got to be a water walker first. They've got to see you going and doing these tough things that are hard in your life, that are difficult to get out of that boat. They need to know that you have the courage to do it. And let, let them imitate you on that. But don't be caught missing out on the miracles that God is doing. I want to challenge us, church, City Light Church, 2019, that we're, we are one church, one body. And a lot of people have baggage with the church. A lot of people say a specific word about the church that the church is full of. It's the H word, what? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Is that the church, when they're supposed to be peacemakers, they're constantly bringing this dissension. And when they're supposed to be grace-filled, they're constantly bringing this judgment. And when they, 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 the saying is they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And they talk about loving the poor. And they talk about doing all these incredible things. But then they go homes. They go to their homes and they forget about it as soon as that hour, hour 10 at church is, is over. And they don't actually live it out and they're a bunch of hypocrites. And in a lot of ways they are. I know for me, myself, I am a hypocrite. And this is not as much for you as I feel as it's, it's for me. Is wait, what if we as City Light, we're about to turn four years old in January. Come on, that's beautiful. In, in just a couple weeks, we're four years old. But what if by the time we reach our fifth birthday, this whole entire year of 2019, that City Light Church is so full of water walkers that it's so contagious that people are wondering, what is happening at this church? These aren't people that just go, and this is an hour out of their week. This is a lifestyle that they live, and our families are radically being changed because of our water walking activities. Our workplaces are being radically changed because of our, our water walking. It's constantly everywhere we go, Jesus is doing miracles because we got out of the boat. What if city like we collectively could change people's thoughts and perceptions about God's body, God's, God's bride. What if we could do that? What if by the time we hit five, man, and I know, guys, I believe in this place, and, and one of the things that, that attracted me to this place is that I knew this place was real. And you guys get it. You guys are here going, man, we are so hungry for Jesus. We're so hungry to, to see him move in the city. We're so hungry, so hungry to see him move in our families and our workplaces, and I, I know that. So I'm not preaching at you. I think I'm preaching with you. But 2019, let this be our, our water walking year like we've never experienced before. Let us be so rich of stories of miracles that God has done. Let's be so rich of stories of, about the, all the people that got to come to know Jesus, not just because of, of Pastor Jason leading a moment, but because of us getting out of our boats and leaving the moments out of obedience and let Jesus take the rest. Last thought. But if we water walk so much, 
let our feet get pretty. But if we water walk so much, I know it's cheesy, let's water walk so much that our feet get pretty. Let that be a part of our identity, part of our, our, our 2019 year here at City Light Church. Why don't you stand with me as we, as we close?